Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Home and Apple Sources Minor League Podcast. <clears throat> I am Steve Seiper, and I'm joined this week just by Lucas Vlahos. Unfortunately, Ken and Thomas are not able to join us today, so just the two of us. Lucas skeleton, skeleton crew this week. I'm doing all right. How are yeah, you? Yeah. I'm good. Um, it's unfortunate that I'm, at least Thomas isn't here to uh, record with us, because I had a good promote extend trade. Because oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we could do it with you and me. But uh-huh. in 1980, Empire Strikes Back came out. Indeed it did. So who would you promote extend trade of these <clears throat> major characters that were introduced in Empire Strikes Back? Mm. We have Boba Fett, Yoda, and Lando Calrissian. Hmm. Hmm. All right, I got a hot take. I'm trading Boba Fett. I knew you were going to trade Boba Fett. Yeah, I honestly think... And I, I say this like having really enjoyed the whole Mandalorian series and um, like obviously the Mandalorian sprung entirely out of people lore crafting around, oh yeah, that guy in the armor looks cool. Let's come up with that. Uh, something for that because Lord knows George Lucas didn't do it. Um, <laughs> so the Mandalorian show is great. Uh, he got a lot more backstory in the prequels as like a clone, which was interesting. But to be honest, 
before any of that, people obsessed over this guy and he didn't actually do shit. He shows up, he walks around a bit and Empire Strikes Back, then he goes out like a bitch ten minutes into uh, New Hope. Yeah, that was um, the life and times of Boba Fett were not particularly great. I, I never understood why everyone was like, oh man, Boba Fett, yeah. It's like, like what? Did I miss something? He looks cool. That's basically... Yeah, that, that was it. It's actually funny. One of the I'm I'm sure you are aware of this. One of like the the bloopers, I guess you could say, of Return of the Jedi is a part mm-hmm. on the sail barge when Luke kicks uh-huh. the dude, and you know, like visibly, you could see that Luke does not actually make does contact. Does not with actually him. connect. Yes. And but yet the guy goes flying. <clears throat> so I was watching that on loop, and that takes place when Boba Fett is basically uh, his jetpack is fritzing, and he goes flying in the background and smashes into the sail barge, and then falls uh-huh. into the Sarlacc. So on that gif and repeat, you just see Boba Fett basically like balleting through the background <laughs> on his way to his death. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's not a great. It was not a graceful way to go. No. Um, now I, I I'm gonna turn this around with a different question. Do you prefer the original Sarlacc or the modified Sarlacc with the beak added? I think the modified Sarlacc looks more scary and, and really whatever. Yeah. Huh. Because uh, okay. The original Sarlacc is just basically a, a hole with some teeth. Well, it has the tentacles coming and out. Tentacle, but it just—I don't know. I didn't. I, I never mean, liked the beak. Yeah. It looked too much like a squid. It was like a squid that's just stuck in the ground, and that's a Sarlacc. Sarlacc should be more like an ant lion than. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm training Boba Fett and. Uh, I mean, Yoda's the the easy extend. Like, come on, what are we doing here? Yeah. I mean, objectively, Boba Fett is the least important of all of these characters. He's yeah. fans fan attention has probably gotten the most out of all of these guys, but mm-hmm. in terms of his on screen presence, he's not really that important to the storyline. No. no <clears throat> Lando's just so damn cool. You know. That he is. How did you feel about uh, Yoda and Dooku's fight in Attack of the Clones? Uh, when I saw it in the theater, how old was I? I think I was like 12. No, no, no. Like 14, I guess. Sure. And at the time, that was the fucking most awesome thing. Uh-huh. I, I remember literally giggling yeah. <laughs> like a little yeah. kid because yeah. I was a little kid. Uh-huh. Uh, I was little than you. Yeah, that's true. You were probably like. Seven. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. In retrospect, um, I'm not not a fan. Really? Just okay. because I I think Yoda should not. I I prefer my Yoda to not have a lightsaber. Period. It's it's a symbol of a Jedi. It's a weapon of a Jedi. Everything. But you know, the the greatest Jedi does not need to use a lightsaber. Well, I I thought it was I. I... Again, dis- I guess well, you and I have very different Star Wars <laughs> takes. Like it's it's quite interesting because I I actually like that they fleshed him out as a warrior, and then you see his path to just being a broken old man to a degree, but also like realizing uh, that he doesn't need to fight to be the the ideal Jedi that Luke needs. I don't know. I thought it fleshed out like he learned from his defeat, even at nine hundred or whoever. Right, nine hundred years old you are. Look, this good, this will not. 
in the grander scheme of things, I definitely I can agree is that Yoda realized the folly of the Jedi when he was mm-hmm. in his you know seclusion on Dagobah mm-hmm. and maybe took that next step to become that Jedi that did not need to use weapons. Whereas at the mm-hmm. time, I guess you know, well, he clearly did use his weapon. Uh, I like I I definitely enjoy the fight with Dooku, and then the the fight with Palpatine in the Senate is just awesome. I love that whole sequence. Yeah. I just wish that I mean I get thematically why, but I wish that the duel of the heroes and the duel between Anakin, I mean uh, Yoda and Palpatine were not interwoven. Sliced. Yeah, yeah. I I really I liked how the I don't know I like how they kind of build in parallel to each other and then the I mean of course John Williams the most iconic composer of of any period any since what like 1950 like his music will live on forever but as his score swells up as the main platform is rising up in the senate that that's like one of my favorite scenes in all of star wars honestly like oh you know i just i don't i don't disagree at all i'm just i feel like it's like the godfather 2 you know how in the godfather 2 you have the not not the prequel scenes the the it's earlier been a long scenes. time since I've seen The Godfather 2. Basically, you have the earlier scenes where Don Corleone is a young man turning uh-huh. into Don Corleone, and they're interspliced between, you know, Michael kind of dealing with the same things. Mm-hmm. And then a lot, a lot of the TV edits and stuff will take all those scenes and just put them in one big block in the beginning. So you see the entire young Don Corleone story, and then Interesting. You see Godfather 2. Thematically, it's supposed to be, you know, spliced in between, so you see the parallels. Mm-hmm. Similarly with Star Wars, like, you know, I, it would be nice if you could just see one big block of uninterrupted fighting Anakin and Obi-Wan, Palpatine and Yoda. But, like you say, thematically, you know, it was done in that certain way. I feel like when you have too long a block of fighting as well... um it's a little easier to check out of it almost. And I'm not, I'm not a filmmaker. I don't, this is just my own like personal observation. Like, I don't know. It's like almost more interesting to jump back and forth for a little bit. I do understand what you're saying though. This is a, this is a question much more for like actual film critics and not a couple of schmucks like us. <laughs> we'll have to get Jeffrey Padanastro. He can give us a definitive answer. He'll just call it. He'll just uh, judge us somewhat fairly <laughs> for being star wars dweebs and then go on about some black and white japanese film from the 50s i say well, then we can then we can we can talk about kurosawa and how hey i love kurosawa star wars, i yeah. love kurosawa and it's a huge it was a huge inspiration for george lucas as well so mm-hmm. i guess we should probably get to baseball yeah i mean it's less less depressing week <laughs> than last week yeah uh, it certainly is i went to the uh before you get into the actual minor league stuff, I went to the game on Friday with the come with the game tying grand slam and the extra inning win with my uh, buddy from grad school. It's the most exciting game I've ever seen live. It was great. Yeah, I don't know what the hell's getting into the actual Mets. Like, yeah, it sure feels behind wind. It sure feels like. Um, and look, a lot of this is perception and not reality and and recency bias, et cetera, et cetera. But it sure felt like for a lot, big stretch of the 2022 season and a big stretch of the run in 2015, the Mets would be down late and it wouldn't matter and they'd somehow win. 
And then that kind of fell apart for them at the end of 2022, obviously. And it sure as fuck wasn't happening for the start of 2023. <laughs> but over the past week, they just did it again today. Yeah, yeah. Like, Stalin Marte hit a two-run home run in the eighth. First extra base hit since uh, 1974. Um, so, I don't know. There's that, there's that uh, baseball Twitter meme of just wildly oscillating between it's over and we're back. And uh, it's usually, I see it most commonly cited about like Dodgers fans and, and Philly fans, because that's probably who I follow mostly. And also who have, they've had some wild swings, but I sure feel like that this past week. I'm like, we're, we're back, baby. Oh no, we're losing again. It's over. Never mind, We're back. You know, it certainly would night would have been nice if the Mets hadn't gone like over twenty the last like two weeks. Uh, dug themselves into such a hole. I, my uh, someone pointed out to me um, that the Mets went two and three against the Dodgers, and then had like a three week stretch against some of the worst team in teams in baseball and paid at like a seventy win play, pace against them, and then went two and three against the Rays. So yep. they bookended it by winning series against the two best teams in baseball and just could not beat the Detroit Tigers? That's baseball, Susan. Yeah. The Mets have now won this game. Awesome. Well, let's go to some college baseball before we get to minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, do some way-too-early draft updates. My guy, Cole Carrig. His team, San Diego State University, they played uh, four games. One was a makeup game against UC San Diego at the beginning of the week, and then they had a weekend series against New Mexico. He went one and four with a stolen base against UC San Diego. He went one and four with a double and a stolen base in Friday's game against New Mexico. One and three with two walks and two stolen bases on Saturday's game against New Mexico. And because you know they're in the West Coast, they are not playing yet. Sunday's game. So all in all, Craig is three for eleven with a double, two walks, two stolen bases, and that brings him to a batting line of three thirteen, four oh three, four seventy six in thirty nine games, with eight doubles, five triples, two homers, seventeen stolen bases, nine walks, and twenty two strikeouts. So I mean, he's playing and he's a modicum of productive. Has a modicum of productivity right now. So, how do you spell his last name? C A R R I G G. Thank you. I was butchering that mildly. But yeah, uh, would not be uh, unless the Mets were using him as like a, a savings pick with their first round pick, and then had all kinds of weird stuff concocted afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's the only scenario where I'd be like, okay, it's an interesting use, but I don't even think something like that's worth it. No, not looking great for him at this point. Nah, he's he seems more like he's fallen from potentially like a 30, 40 uh, overall pick to maybe 90, 100, something like that, if even. Right. I'm looking at a prospect live their most recent MLB draft top 400 update and Craig is at 150. So yeah, yeah, there you go. Quite a quite a fall. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is there's just really no power. Um, he's mm. never he was never a big power guy to begin with. He was always like a hit of a power guy, but 
two home runs, not really great. Um, he missed a lot of playing time in a division. No, not a division. Uh, what do they call it? In a conference, you know, where you're not playing a million games to begin with. Mm-hmm. And too many strikeouts for the lack of power. I mean, yeah, the strikeouts, strikeouts are the concerning part to yeah. me, honestly. 22 strikeouts in 39 games isn't like horrible, horrible, but when you're not, you know, you, you, you're not swinging for the fences, so there shouldn't be this many strikeouts. Mm-hmm. At yep. least he's starting to walk a little bit, though, which is also something. Good. Yeah, it's something. He is a far uh, inferior player to Colton Ledbetter, though. Yes. Uh, I, not that I'm gloating in it, but yes, Colton Ledbetter this week. He went uh, six for 16, so he, he had been slowing down a little bit, but picked it back up this week. Six for 16, no homers, uh, four walks, did strike out five times. Um, he is now batting 320 on the season. His OPS is still over 1,000. Um, we did talk, I think we mentioned last week that Baseball America did a second mock draft and he did not feature in their first round. Um, mm-hmm. but they also did a staff draft this past week. So not, not a mock, but like the writers who followed the draft doing a, a pick and just going through like, uh, 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 like looping through it, like every, all seven of them and Ledbetter went 27th in that. So I think there's. He's in that range where if you're a fan of him, you're pushing him up into the 20s. And then if you're a little, if you like some other guys more, he's going to slip down into the 30s, the 40s. Um, Prospect Live has him at 35th uh, overall in their most recent update. So still right in that range for the Mets. I would not, I, I think this has been a common refrain. I would not be surprised if he gets popped earlier by the Orioles, the Brewers, the Yankees, uh, I could see the Astros even doing that as well. He kind of fits their analytically inclined profile. I'm tempted to say the Rays, but their their hitter picks are always very strange. Let's just put it that way. Like, uh, did not love their selection of Xavier Isaac last year. So I, I don't know that, that he really fits them, but there are several analytically inclined hitter angled teams that I think could pop lead better before he gets to the Mets. But, um, Still a decent chance he's he's there at 32. It's 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 certainly in the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, of all of the guy, of all four guys that we have picked, honestly, I I do like Ledbetter the most. I mean, really, I think it's between Ken's pick of Johanji Morales and mm-hmm. Ledbetter, and I feel like Ledbetter is in more overall, maybe a higher floor player. <clears throat> I. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I have some pretty major concerns about Morales, frankly. So and he has very loud tools, particularly the power. But you know, there's also the swings and misses, which is concerning. Yep. Whereas Ledbetter, I think, does not exhibit maybe as much power, but he doesn't have the his, the red flags as red. Morales, to me, just screams like classic college corner masher that doesn't work, and. Sometimes those guys do work. Like, for instance, I think the Mets were linked to uh, Tyler Locklear a bit last year um, out of Virginia, if I recall correctly. And I had a very similar reaction to that of just, yeah, I do not want any part of this. Wound up with the Mariners and he's absolutely fucking destroying the ball. Like, and and Pete Alonso also the same. Like, so sometimes this does work. I I just, I'm a little more skeptical of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I don't love the swing for Morales in particular, but, you know, whatever. He He's also probably off the board by the time the Mets pick. I think some team will take him higher. Yeah, he's kind of was like 15 to 25, I think, somewhere in there. Yeah, I'd, I'd expect him to go yeah. there. And some places rank him significantly lower, but, you know, it only takes one team. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <clears throat> if the Marlins had literally just taken Jacob Berry and now lived to regret drafting Jacob Berry, I would call him out as a Marlins pick. But I can't <laughs> imagine they do it two years in a row. Can Would they? They are the Marlins. Oh, would be very Marlins. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Um... Now on to the Mets minor league affiliates. Syracuse Mets played a series against Norfolk Tides, the first place Norfolk Tides, and they had a surprisingly good series considering, you know, that they are basically a 400 winning percentage team and the Tides are like 20 games over 500. Um, Mm -hmm. They split the series 3-3. That's baseball, baby. Yeah, that leaves Syracuse at 19 and 26, which is 12 and a half games behind the Tides. Um, but unfortunately, just like last week, Syracuse is giving up a ton of late runs. Wasn't as bad as last week, I don't think. But <laughs> basically, on Tuesday, the bullpen gave up four runs in the ninth inning, and they blew a lead, and they lost the game. And on Friday, um, they had to go to the bullpen early because the starter David Griffin was just horrible, and the bullpen gave up five runs, so... Was this just... the week with all the cheating, too? Oh, I completely forgot about that. That's right. I have to. We have to mention that. Um, it was Eric Orsi, and then uh, who was the other dude? 
the the cooked guy that they signed bundy bundy, bundy was uh yeah <laughs> so on like wednesday dylan bundy got ejected for sticky stuff and then the very next day eric orsi got ejected for sticky stuff but you know what when your team when your team is uh 19 and 26 do what you gotta do i do not mind it yeah it's pretty funny Speaking of sticky stuff and really funny, have you been following um, the exploits of one Trevor Bauer in Japan by any chance? Not only did he get demoted to the Japanese (laughs) minor leagues, but the first pitch he threw got taken out to left field. Oh, man. I love it. Whatever that that German word. Schadenfreude. There you go. Schadenfreude. Just, just glorious, you know, just, just absolutely glorious. And to think we almost got stuck with him. Can you imagine the vibes if the Mets had signed Trevor Bauer and we were dealing with that right now? God damn. I mean, how much did he sign the Dodgers? They signed him forty for? million AAV, basically. Right, right. That, that's right. That's right. Um, minimum, we wouldn't have one of Scherzer or Verlander. Yeah, probably because not. Bauer would still technically would have been on the books, even though he wasn't able to play. It's would have been a mess. Yep, it would have been a huge. Yeah, uh, they really did try from all the reports, and thank Christ they didn't get that done. Bullet avoided. Uh, well, before we move on to uh, Binghamton, the Syracuse Mets are also now Mark Vientelis after his call-up last Wednesday, and Ryan Mauricio is the last one standing of the, the big four that started the season there. Um, 44 games now, Mauricio is hitting 358, 393, 609, with 20 doubles, two triples, seven homers, nine steals, and 13 attempts. And nine walks to 31 strikeouts. Uh, his 64 hits lead the International League by a pretty decent margin. He has 10 more hits than the next guy. And he's also leading the league in doubles, um, also by a hefty margin, uh, six. According to a report from Tim Britton at The Athletic, uh, the Mets are unlikely to call up Mauricio anytime soon. Um, and he cites Mets sources as saying two things. They want Mauricio to, A, repeat the success that he's had against the same teams more than once. I yeah. either want to see how he responds against teams that he's faced and they kind of have like a book against him. And B, they want him to either maintain or improve his play discipline. So what are your thoughts on that? I'm, first, I'm so- let's go to A. Well, let's look at A first repeating the success against the same teams. I don't care. The The second point is everything, frankly, yeah. to me. I mean, like Point A is, uh, it doesn't really hold much water, especially because pitching, the league average in the International League ERA is 4.96. <laughs> <laughs> and on average, the game is being played on the moon. On average, there are 5.34 runs per game. So 
one sec. I want to pull up his uh, certain numbers here to make a point. Sure. But, but well, like looking that up, basically, um, Syracuse, they're playing one more team that they haven't played this upcoming week. The, the um, um, who are they playing? The Louisville Bats. And then they go for a stretch all the way until mid-August playing teams that they've played before. And then in mid-August, they're playing Columbus Clippers, a new team. Who are the Clippers affiliated with? I don't actually know. Um, Good question. I know the Louisville Bats are the Reds. The Clippers mm. might be the... I don't know. Clippers. So, all right, I have the numbers in front of me. I... First off... Let me say that, like, I, I don't find joy in saying that Ronnie Mauricio is not good. And also, if you as a listener or someone who read our tweets, our writings, was unable to discern the sarcastic uh, hyperbole in the saying, he's not a prospect, uh, maybe touch some grass. Like, he's obviously, he was always obviously something of a prospect. He's just not one I was particularly fond of and not one I considered to be in our top ten. I still stand by that, but I can also admit that he has shown better exit velocity than I expected. Like, the numbers exist, uh, as, as the people over at Baseball Perspectives are so fond of saying. The numbers exist to be explained, and, you know, he's getting to his power-born games. That's true. That That's undeniable. He has generally a nice launch angle. Uh, um, he really should stop switch hitting. That remains true. And his swing decisions are still poor. Right? And and maybe the best thing I could do here is, and I thought of other numbers, like he, he has a, he has a, uh, average exit velocity of 93 and a half miles an hour. That's, that's really good. That that's a really nice top end. Like, I don't want to call it 80 power. If that, if you believe that, if he did that for a whole season, that'd be like 70 grade raw power to me. Um, clearly I've prepped very well for this segment, which is why I have to open three fan graphs tabs as I talk to, to <laughs> flesh out my argument. Uh, and it's, well-timed because Ronnie Mauricio's in town or uh, uh, Ahmed Rosario's in town. So these are a lot of the same complaints I had about Ahmed Rosario in that I did not think he had very good swing decisions. That wasn't the term we were using at the time, but I just did not like his approach at the plate at all. And in AAA, he hit 328, 367, 466. So it's nowhere near as much power as, as Mauricio, but the same sort of hyperinflated performance. He ran a really high BAPIP in AAA. Really nice top-line numbers, again, in AAA, but was walking 5% of the time. And and I'm sorry, that just, like, doesn't play. Um, now, Mauricio's been 20% better by weighted runs created plus at AAA than Rosario was. Absolutely true. He has better raw power than Ahmed Rosario. Also true. The swing decision issues are going to be just as problematic, if not more so. Like we, we there no learning has occurred here. He's still walking 4.7% of the time. <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> like what what are we doing? 
I mean, I, th- I uh, everything you said is valid. Um, is he a better I, prospect than he was at the start of the season? Yeah. Yeah. Is he a top hundred prospect again? No. Is he a future star? No. I think borderline top hundred. He's probably in like the hundred to hundred twenty-five range. The, that might be fair. It's a soft top hundred right now. Yeah. And is he a star right now? No. Um, will he become one? The tools are there, but I don't think that, like you said, I don't think that the there's been enough learning or there's been enough alterations in problematic swing decisions and at this point right now Mm -hmm. i mean one thing that i was looking at um where did i write it down like his his strikeout rate he he cut down on that which is good Mm -hmm. something though that i noticed is that um he has a 24.3 line drive rate a 52% ground ball rate and a 23.6 fly ball rate and surprisingly, as compared to last year, the ground balls and the fly balls flip-flopped in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. He has about 10%. Um, he has a 10% uh, worse ground ball rate this season and a 15% fly ball rate. So it's you know you a guy like him, you want him hitting more fly balls. We know Absolutely. that he has that. We know he has that raw plus power. And you know, even last season when when you know, it was not his best season. What did he hit? I think 26 home runs. You know, yeah, we, he was pushing 30 last yeah, year. No, like 26. We, you're right. We know that he has the ability to harness the raw power in game. It's just, you know, he hit 26 he, home runs last year, and his way to run created plus was 104. His yeah. on base percentage started with a two. Yep, yep. But what I was looking at, and I was looking at some of his the batted ball events. And this is one thing that really popped out to me and made me say, they are making the right decision by not calling him up right now and maybe not calling him up for the entire season. Who knows? But, um, a lot of the hits that he has are, have been ground balls. Mm -hmm. And And I should, I want to say real quick, I think I misspoke earlier when I said he has optimized launch angle. He does not have optimized launch angle. I was yeah. speaking too fast. A lot of those hits are ground balls, and those are things that you know you can get. You know, a, a, in Syracuse they're playing Norfolk. That a, a ball's going to get past. You know, Josh Lester is their third baseman. I couldn't tell you a thing Who about the hell Josh is Lester. Josh Lester. <laughs> right, and their shortstop is Joey Ortiz, which is a good baseball name. I like it, but you know, Westbrook playing second base for them. Oh. Balls that are getting past Josh Lester and Joey Ortiz are probably not getting past Nolan Arenado or Trey Turner, you know? Um, no, they're not. He has a, 144 batted ball events in total, 75 of those. So basically 51% have launch angles that are less than 10 degrees, which Major League Baseball defines as a ground ball. He's stinging the hell out of those balls. He has an average exit velocity of 93.7 miles per hour of all those hits. Well, excuse me, of all those batted ball events. But again, a lot of those are not going to be hits at the major league level. I counted, this is this is actually crazy. I counted 20 hits, not, not you know, balls put in play, but hits mm-hmm. that didn't go past 90 feet. 
So that's, you know, home to first, home to third, 90 feet. So these are, you know, these are like dribblers, Baltimore chops, things like that. 20 of them. Let me do some now, quick maths. If you subtracted 20 hits from Mauricio's total right now, mm-hmm. which I don't He's have in front of me. 44 but. for 179. He'd be batting 250. Right. His on-base percentage would be eh, in the in the low three hundred. Low threes, low threes, yeah. Yeah, so that looks I mean, awfully similar to last year all of a sudden, doesn't it? Yeah, so it, it's not that you know you can't guarantee that things like that. You know, I'm not going to say that every single one of those twenty weird ground ball hits should not be hits in the major league level, but these are looking at you know. The numbers underneath the numbers, and I think the Mets, they could use a little bit more offense, but I don't think Mauricio would be the right guy to go to. All right, we're going to do some more quick maths here. Um, let's go to, again, great, great radio here as I play with Fangraphs live. <laughs> Batted ball. Let's sort by, all right. So, like... Ronnie Mauricio is a fast dude. Let's give him a little bit of credit. Let's say that he could run, I don't know, a 10. Uh, actually, let me go to last season so that we have a more robust sample. Like, no need to look at 2023 numbers. And if we do infield hits, you know, 10% infield hit rate would be like among the best in baseball. Um, but let's say, let, let's be really generous and say that's something he could do. That probably means, what, half of these 20 hits he has right now just disappear right away. Mm-hmm. He'd have an on-base percentage of 335, uh, which is a vast improvement over what he's had before. And his batting average would be 280, which is nice. Still good. But still good. If you give him an even more normal infield hit rate, which seems justified, he very quickly gets close to 270 with a 320 on base percentage. Again, I'm not saying that's a bad player. I kind of am, I suppose. Uh, it, it's a platoon bat at best because he, he sure as hell can't switch hit. His, his right-handed swing is a disaster. Um, and these numbers are going to get worse in the majors. Like Guys are going to exploit the fact that he makes bad swing decisions and hits everything on the ground. Teams are going to have more data. Pitchers are going to be able to hit their spots more effectively, and they're just going to pound him with uh, the kind of stuff that he can't discern that he shouldn't swing at. Again, he could, he could improve. These things can change. I don't want to, like, doom his – doom his uh, consign him to, to major league irrelevance already, but – but this is these are major problems, and I don't see a sign that they've actually changed. Right. Once you know, I, I want to see the, the fewer ground balls, more fly balls, and that launch angle a, a, a lot. Oh, uh, I want to see how many negatives. Oops, I closed the window here. Though there are a lot of negative launch angles. We yeah. Do not want, we do not want to see those negative launch angles. Can we also comment that it's pretty? It's pretty concerning. This seems to be an organizational problem. Brett Brady is hitting the ball on the ground like 50% of the time still. 
He, I was at the game on Friday. He hit a ball that I thought was like a pop up to left field, and it carried out because he has such great natural. He gets such lift on the ball anytime he gets it in the air, and he's hitting the ball on the ground fifty percent of the time. Ronnie Mauricio, his path to major league relevance is optimizing his launch angle and scraping by, almost like Eduardo Escobar, kind of like Escobar. Very much has built a career on a a profile of just hitting and scraping enough balls over the fence to buoy the fact that he doesn't make good swing decisions and doesn't do a whole lot else well. Like, to do that, you need to lift the ball. Jet Williams isn't lifting the ball. Jacob Reimer is killing every groundhog in the state of Florida. Like, <laughs> I don't know what Kevin Parada and Alex Ramirez are doing. I haven't cared enough to look. But, like, this is... this is who the hell in the, Who the hell in the Mets organization is not sitting these guys down and saying, look, hit the ball in the air? I don't get that it. That is that is a good question. Makes you wonder. Well, um, we'll move on now to the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. <clears throat> they played the Fisher Cats, New Hampshire Fisher Cats. They are the Blue Jays AA affiliate. Um, the Columbus Clippers, by the way, they are the Cleveland Guardians AAA affiliate. Thank you. Um, Binghamton, they had a halfway decent week. They are... Um, three and two right now, and they're starting the second game of doubleheader right now as we speak. So Binghamton possibly could even have a four and two week if they win, uh, which be like their first winning week in almost a month. Basically, the last time the, the, the Brumble Ponies had a winning season, oh, excuse me, a winning week was the end of April when they played the Acheron Rubber Ducks. Um, but Binghamton right now, uh, they are 17 and 20, possibly could be 18 and 20 in a few hours. Either way, doesn't really matter because they're still considerably behind the Portland Sea Dogs, either seven, seven and a half games, whatever, depending. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't really talked too much about the, these guys because they're not really more key names, but there's a couple of Binghamton players who are actually having surprisingly good seasons right now. Oh, I hope you're about to bring up my main man here. I believe so. I'll even talk about him first. Outfielder Matt Rudick. Yeah. He's currently hitting 306, 444, 528 in 32 games with nine doubles, five homers, five stolen bases, and a very impressive 24 walks to 20 strikeouts. What's that? Me overvaluing a guy with plate discipline? <laughs> never, never happened before. I He was on my original, like, long, long list of Met prospects when we were doing our top 25, and I just could not justify it like there's no way this dude is gonna the bat's gonna get knocked out of his hands and now this year he has more homers than he's had in his entire professional career prior he's five homers this year he came into the season with four that's a good percentage increase he's he's and he's doing this with a 337 babbit which is high but not absurd no it's a i feel like that's a reasonable babbit for minor leagues a decent hitter and he's hitting pretty decently right now he's got a 170 way to runs creative play. i mean he's 24 in double a i don't think he's ever even like a starter he might just be a long side platoon bat or a bench guy but why is he still in double a right now what are we waiting for exactly yeah. there's like the approach is excellent let me put it this way right there are things like you learn at each level like you can hang out at a level and improve your approach based on like what you see there. Like you're going to see new stuff. You have to learn how to approach it. He clearly knows how to do that at double a, 
what he needs to improve still is his raw power, but you're not going to do that just sitting around in, in at, at this level any longer. Like you can do that anywhere. Push him to triple A because if, if Starling Marte pulls a hamstring, who's, who are we calling up to take an outfielder spot? Danny Mendick? Danny Mendick, Lorenzo Cedrola. Yeah, okay. DJ right. Stewart season is starting. Uh, I like Rudick is 24 and might be something. Can we can we push him a little bit? Just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, or just to bring up DJ Stewart, like he's he's a he's a free agent outsider that they signed for a year. Like mm-hmm. he's doing okay in the power department, but I think he's hitting like 180 or something like that. Yeah. You know, if if they said, eh, we're done with this, let's let's bump up Matt Rudick and see what we got here. You know, I feel like that might be a more effective use of roster space. Yeah, absolutely. But, Let me you know, pull up the never... Syracuse roster. Anyway, you had other guys you wanted to talk about. I, I'm just a yeah. big Matt Rudick fan, and I would pump him into the teens in the system now because yeah. I love play discipline. I mean, basically, all of these guys are ex- excelling right now, and they are guys that should hopefully at some point this year get some kind of look at Syracuse. Um, the next guy, third baseman, Jose Peroza. He is player of the week last week. He's currently hitting 284, 375, 545 in 24 games with the Rumble Ponies. He's got eight doubles, five home runs, uh, 11 walks, and 33 strikeouts. There's a little bit more swing and miss to his game than there is Matt Rudick, but he's 22. You know, who would you rather see get at bats? Meaningful at bats in Syracuse, you know, Peroza or Jonathan Araruz, you know? Yeah, yeah. Peroza uh, at least just recently got promoted to St. Lucie. Uh, excuse me, got recently got promoted to Binghamton, you know, 24 games. Uh, and he's only 22. Like, he's not. Grudick's yeah. a little older, so I'm more eager to push him up. But yeah, I, I wouldn't hate right. pushing Peroza. If Proza spent the entire season in Binghamton and then got, you know, a cup of coffee in Syracuse this year, yeah, I would be, be fine, fine with that. The difference there also is Proza striking out 30% of the time. Right. He's, there's a bit of swing. And he's never really displayed the power that he's showing this year. I mean, last week, I think he had five hour runs last week. Like, mm. that's a good week. <clears throat> um, And the other guy, again... Why are we running out Bobby Rossman every couple of days in the bullpen when we could have Dylan Hall? Um, he's appeared in nine games for Binghamton. He's thrown a total of 13.2 innings. He has not allowed a run yet with Binghamton. He's scattered mm-hmm. nine hits. He's walked four, and he struck out 14. Um, I don't, you know, he started the year at Syracuse. He was rostered at Syracuse, and then he was sent down, and he's perfect. You know, uh, we know that Syracuse has had some bullpen problems. Question is, is Hall using sticky stuff? Uh, well, someone needs to introduce him to the sticky stuff then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would sure. Say. And he's only striking out 14. He's only striking out basically nine per nine innings. So I would say there's probably not a lot of sticky stuff there. No, most likely not. <laughs> Uh, Brooklyn Cyclones now. They played the Hudson Valley Renegades, the Yankees High A affiliate, and they had the best week of their season. They, I think, might have had the best week of any Mets affiliate this year, which is sad. Um, 
They are four and one right now. They're playing the second game of a doubleheader, so they could conceivably go five and one if they win it. Mm-hmm. Um, Fifteen and twenty on the season. Whatever reason, I don't know. Everything seems to have clicked for Brooklyn this week. Um, Blade Tidwell threw five innings in his start. He didn't allow an earned run. He gave up four hits. He walked five and struck out eight. Not great, but I'll take it, especially considering his last like two starts have been kind of like catastrophic. Yes. Uh, Cameron Foster, he threw nine innings. Excuse me, he threw six innings. Did not now allow a earned run. He gave up four hits. He walked three. He struck out five. Serviceable. Uh, Yoanda Suarez, he threw five innings. He allowed one run, scattered four hits, walked two, struck out six. Again, serviceable. And Tyler Stewart, who was having a very strong season, he threw six plus scoreless innings. He walked one and he struck out eight. So all week, Brooklyn has had good starting pitching. And finally, the bats are like starting to come around. Um, Kevin Prada kind of is waking up. He went five for 20 with a home run, a walk. Um, Alex Ramirez went five for 18 with three doubles, a home run, four walks. Stanley Consuegra missed a couple of games, but he's three for 13 uh, with two doubles. William Lugo, three for 15 and two stolen bases. Chase Eastap went four for 11 with two doubles and a triple. Uh, Kevin Kendall went three for 14 with two doubles and a steal, two walks. You know, maybe not the best, you know, a lot of three for 15s, three for 14s, maybe not the greatest uh, average, but, you know, the guys are hitting for some power. They're timely hits. They're doing other things. They're hitting for extra bases. They're stealing bases. They're walking. So it's good that some of these guys that are struggling, particularly Parade and Ramirez, are maybe waking up. Um, it would be nice if this is kind of like the spark to get these guys back on track because, you know, we yep. are almost two months into the season now and it's particularly Parada, you know, is is not doing well. No, no, they need to tweak his swing. You did leave out some of the good news for the Cyclones that I'm very interested in. Ooh, which is? Uh, Dylan Tabrock is back. That's right. He was on the... Uh, he was on the, disabled, uh, the injured list. Injured list, it's been, yes. He's been activated now. Yeah, he made like one good three-inning start to in, in April, disappeared for a month and a half, and is now working out of the bullpen. Uh, struck out uh, three, of the f- three of the four batters he faced. Uh, what is that, yesterday? No, that was on Friday. So right. I, I still like him a lot. But I'm yeah, glad I mean, like, when he disappeared for a month, I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> when guys disappear for months on end is not good. But he's, you know, he's another guy that it would be nice. You know, I'm look at a guy like Tyler Stewart. He is, what was he? I think he was like a 13th round pick last year, or 12th, something like that. Eight, maybe. I don't really recall. But he was not a marquee name. And mm-hmm. here he is. Um, at this point in time right now. He has a 113 ERA in 32 innings. Did any of us call him Did any of us call him as a break? I don't remember us talking about him at all before the season. Maybe I'm misremembering, but... No. Yeah, oh, he was a this came out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, he was only through like limited innings last year. Um, he was drafted out of Southern Mississippi, you know, not a big time, you know, uh, baseball program or anything like that. So he might be a diamond in the rough. That would mm-hmm. be nice. And that that's something that the Mets system seriously needs and that they've been lacking is those pop-up guys that kind of come out of nowhere and all of a sudden establish themselves as like dependable players. Yep. And finally, uh, St. Lucie, St. Lucie Mets, they played Palm Beach Cardinals. They went two and five, which leaves them at 10 and 29 on the season, 14 games behind those Cardinals. Yeah, it didn't really sink in until I was doing the farm report um, Saturday night. At the time, they were 9 and 29. Basically, we have like a week, you know, they're 10 and 29 now, but basically, there's a week left to go in the month of May, and they've won 10 games. Their win on. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Their win on Saturday, it snapped a nine game losing streak. They've won four games this entire month. They have two wins in a row now, which is their longest winning streak oh, since the oh, beginning. Oh, wow. Wow. It is, yeah. Hey, you know when the last time they did uh, a two, <laughs> when they won two games in a row? Last season? Beginning of April, they won three whole games in a row against the Jupiter Hammerheads in the uh, second series of the season. So mm-hmm. maybe they'll... Uh, Maybe they'll match that when they play on Tuesday. Um, but yeah, the the I mean the pitching in St. Lucie, no one is doing particularly great. Um and you know, the, the main names on the hitting side, Jet Williams and Jacob Raymer, they're still having funky seasons. Jets hitting two oh seven, four oh nine, two ninety three, and Raymer's hitting two twenty four, three fifty five, three oh two. Um, they're both very passive at the plate. They're not hitting for much power. Uh, Jet has five extra base hits total in a 0.89 ISO, and he's averaging 88.7 miles per hour exit velocities. And Jacob Raymer also has five hits, uh, extra base hits. His five ISO, hits. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would not be good. Um, his ISO is 0.78. And he's averaging an exit velocity of 88.3 miles an hour. So, I mean, the funny thing is, these are decent exit velocity numbers for their age and level. They're just hitting everything on the ground. Yeah, that's like you said all the way at the beginning is the amount of ground balls is just not good. And Jet is a guy that we know has pop mm-hmm. um you know so, so does Raymer. Mm-hmm. and they shouldn't be posting 089 and 078 isos no they should not i mean that that's basically all that needs to be said is they minimum of 100 like come on guys i'm like still we, pretty high on both of them frankly yeah, I was going to say, like we, we kind of said, I, I'm assuming that we said this last week, I'm, we probably have said this a couple of times, regardless of what they do, I don't think that we're going to get into the, even if they end the season right now, 
Chet hitting 207, 409, 293, and Raymer hitting 224, 355, 302. I don't think that we're ever going to get to that level of concern mm-hmm. because, you know, Chet is 18 and Raymer is 19, mm-hmm. uh, or, or vice versa, I forget. But they're both playing their first, getting their first taste of professional baseball. The Florida State League is more like the New York Penn League now. There's, you know, a big, there's there's a large number of, you know, college guys and international free agents who have had a couple of years in, in the foreign leagues to get their feet wet. So throwing two guys right out of high school baseball into the Florida State League is a bit of a jump. So... You know, uh, Jet, I think his WRC plus is a little over 100 and Mm -hmm. Kramer is a little under 100. That's, you know, it's it's fine. It's not what I don't think any of us would have wanted. You know, we both would have wanted to see them hit over 300 and just dominate and get promoted to Brooklyn at the age of 18 and 19. Sure. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's what that was. very unrealistic to happen to begin with and the fact that they're doing what they're doing now is you know they're doing okay and that's enough for right now yeah i'm not i'm not i mean look i i was my bold predictions are probably sunk but i'm still quite high on both of them as players yeah and you know what we still have a few months of the season to go for all we know the coaching and St. Lucie could just be telling them, listen, learn the strike zone. See what it's like to get thrown a decent changeup, a decent slider, a decent curveball. Soak it all in. And in June, now go ham. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Stuff like, yep. you know, it, it is a developmental league. And yep. stuff like that does happen. So. I mean, there's a there's a non-zero chance that I mean, these guys might have been at low, at rookie ball this year if that was still a thing. Like, there's now no middle ground between extended spring training and a ball. So, and I, I, like, look, my, I, I've stated my concerns about the Mets hitting development practices, uh, but on pure talent, I still quite like both of these players. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All the stuff that we liked about them over the offseason is all that is still in play, regardless Absolutely. of regardless of what the numbers are when when the season is done and over. All right, so that is the show for the week. Uh, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex the queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas says at Elvlahos 343. Ken is at Ken 91. And Thomas is at Sadmet season S Z N. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from rate and review. And of course we thank you for listening and a reminder that we are now a Patreon based uh, podcast. So if you like this one, if you like any of the other ones in the Homer and Apple Network, you can subscribe for $5 a month and you'll get bonus content like extra episodes and exclusive content. 
So we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.